Welcome to In Layman's Terms, a podcast dedicated to discipleship and putting scripture to use in our daily lives. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. I'm the Communications Director for the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, comprised of approximately 1,000 churches in Kansas and Nebraska. As the title of this podcast suggests, I'm not ordained clergy, so what I share comes to you in layman's terms. I have more than 20 years of experience teaching the Bible to everyone from teens to 90-somethings, and I'm excited to share what Scripture has to say to us in today's society, and I love to tell stories of how people live their faith. Some episodes focus on a person or church doing great things to serve as the hands and feet of Christ. Some episodes include interviews with experts who can help us along our faith journey. And other episodes include some short reflections on Scripture. Thank you for joining me. We're exploring how some of our pastors and churches in the Great Plains Conference are coping with the shelter-in-place orders due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And this week I'm joined by the Reverend Stephanie Alshweed. She's a lead pastor at St. Paul United Methodist Church in the historic Benson neighborhood of Omaha. I wanted to talk to Stephanie for two reasons. First, she decided to make her church's online worship somewhat of an unplugged experience. Think of a quaint piano bar kind of setup. Second, she tapped into her creative side to put together daily devotions using, of all things, snow domes. Now, before we get started, I wanted to explain that she'll make references at times to Todd in her remarks. And I think it's clear by when she's talking and what she's talking about that she's talking about her husband, Todd Wyatt, who's a scientist who studies, of all things, viruses. I just didn't want people to be confused at that point in our interview. So without any further delay, here's my discussion with Stephanie. Let's start off with your worship experience. You kind of went with an uh, almost like an unplugged uh, idea. Uh, can you explain a little bit about what your thought process was behind how you decided to do worship during a time when your people couldn't come to you and worship in the same space? One of my friends told me recently, who knew you were built for a pandemic? But, um, and apparently I'm creative, although I, I, I don't think of myself that way. But when I realized that we were going to need to worship without the people, I started thinking immediately what that would feel like for the, for the person at home. And I think I was drawing a bit on the last six years. I was appointed to Lincoln, but my husband stayed in Omaha. So I had the experience of living by myself away from my partner five days a week. So I wasn't lonely, lonely, but I was alone. And I, I tried to imagine what that would be like, um, being alone but not having the weekend to go see this person that I spent time with and I thought what would what would I need for worship in that space and I thought you know I'd, what I'd really want what I'd be missing would be having a friend sitting with me and I thought well I can do that we can figure out how to have worship feel like a friend is is sitting with you and it was it was very obvious that we needed very few people in the worship space and I got Jerry Brabeck on staff, our minister of music. He's been there 30 years. He and I have been friends 25 years. So um, we have a really good relationship. It's a pretty obvious one. And he's a fantastic piano player. I mean, he plays all kinds of things, but piano is there. And I thought, you know, I think it'd be really reassuring to me and probably the people watching to have me kind of cuddle up in the crook of a grand piano with Jerry. And I, I didn't consciously think it'd be a variety show, but I think part of me was thinking it would be like a variety show 
like, hey, here they are. And I'm thinking about what I thought I would need coming into my home. Um, I needed a friend there and I think your friend sits near you. And so I was like, look, it has to be right by the piano. It has to feel like we're just in their living room with them. Um, it just because it's, it was just so obvious to me that um, it, it was going to be obvious to everyone that we weren't in the sanctuary together. Right. And, and so, and the other problem is that our church, it's not a problem, but we have worship in four different worship spaces on weekends. So there was no place I could put this thing that everyone would see, Oh, that's my worship spot. So, you know, why not just have a do over? We're just going to make it obvious. It's not normal, but within that, try to make it feel as comfortable as possible. Um, the other issue for me is that I have a really short attention span, especially with screens. And so for instance, if we're watching a movie at home, I will think I'm watching the movie, but I'll find myself upstairs folding laundry or on the main floor of the house reading a book, but in my head, I'm still watching the movie in the basement. So I knew I really want people to be able to make it through worship. And like, it's not like I stand up and leave worship, leave worship when I'm leading it because I'm there, but um, so you'll find that our worship services, I think the longest one is 28 minutes long because I wanted people to have the experience of being very intensely engaged and to do that, I knew they wouldn't be able to sustain it for an hour. I mean, I can't. <laughs> so that's also part of what happened. And you'll notice um, when Jerry's singing the music, he always it was always music. It's usually not all of the verses of whatever hymn it's singing. So we. Yeah, I was going to say, so the three things I noticed is it's kind of condensed. Yeah. It's very intimate. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, but the word, other word, I guess what I would use is purposeful. There's a real reason behind everything because you are going with a shorter service. Everything there has a purpose. It's not just, oh, this is a tradition that we've done it this way forever. It's this is what we need to accomplish the message for this week at this time. It, it is very dense. And it's really interesting planning it as a preacher. Usually I'm preaching for three services and usually there's no recorded evidence. So I'll change which story I'm, you know, I've got one service that likes this kind of thing, another, I'll mix it up. There's no record of it. I can tell the stories about my family. No one knows because they aren't in Omaha. And um, now there's a recorded version of it, but it's, it's a little bit like moving from writing a novel to a short story mm -hmm. and that every word really is intentional. And so I find that my preparation is radically different. Um, usually if I'm preaching, of course, it's going to be longer, but I have I'm hitting on a main point, but I've got supporting things that wind into that. Uh -huh. And with piano side worship, I've got one theme that I'm knocking down really hard, but there's usually at least one storyline or metaphor that I would not have landed on as hard that really gets lifted up in piano side. And it's interesting, the notes in the mail that we get, people really are remembering that one thing. And I'm curious how this will affect preaching when we're back in a group. Yeah, that actually, I Two questions that the first one is what has been the reaction from your parishioners? The, I mean, talking to everyday folks that are there, you're usually there every Sunday, what kind of things are they telling you about this experience? It's, it's been really interesting. The, the, the usual folks are putting little notes in the, they'll mail us notes and they'll, they'll either quote back parts of it or they'll tell me what's funny. Some of them are sending me messages and they're, they're saying, Oh, I loved it when you said this. And I'm like, I don't think I said that, but I'm glad you went there. And um, my favorite part that I 
I honestly didn't anticipate is that our members, some of our members have shared these with friends. They've like sent them the link. And I had this one gal write me and she's like, she lives in New York, New York state. And she's like, would you please add me to your newsletter list? I consider myself a part of your church now. And then there's another person who lives in Omaha who wrote me and said, I've been looking at church for years. I've been watching online and I now come to your church every week. And when you reopen, I'll be there in person. But for now, please consider me part of your church. And I, I've just been really struck by that. Here's the other thing. I now know who my night owls are. Yeah. Because the night owls are emailing me like, hey, I can finally go to church. This is awesome. I've been showing it to everyone at 4 p.m. <laughs> and right. so I do think we'll continue this service. Um, first off, when, when churches do reopen, not everyone should or, or will be coming back. But secondly, I'm realizing, hey, this we just added a fifth worship service. So I'll, I'll probably add a live stream to our most traditional service when it comes back. Mm -hmm. Because now I know people might enjoy that. Right. But I think piano side, I've been trying to think of a new service. I'm like, I don't know where to wedge in another worship service. Well, uh, we wedged it into the internet. Right. And that was it. My next question was, what do you think after we're able to come back? Uh, obviously, uh, and this is something the conference has certainly tried to make a point of, is not everybody should come back right away. <laughs> uh, there are people who are at high risk for uh, illness, and they, those folks should definitely not be there and even folks who do, we need to make sure they keep a safe distance. So we can't have the numbers back. It's just right. a math problem, right? With the seating that we have in a lot of our congregations. So how is this worship experience? What do you think it's going to lead to after the fact? You mentioned you were trying to figure out how to fit it in. Uh, have you tried to figure out how to make some of these components fit within what you already have? Or is this going to be something just totally new? Or is it just going to be a completely online only type of approach? That's a really good question. I think for now piano side will will be a fifth i mean who knows what we'll do when we come back i'm because of space we'll, we'll probably have fewer services in a larger space i'm guessing but you can even I, do piano side as a recording sometime right oh, no we always do so here's the secret we recorded on tuesday we're not all even in the same room because we're just being so cautious so i've never seen the entire service or the parts of it until I upload it Saturday night. Nice. And so we've got people coming in at different times. Usually there's no more than three people anyway, but we record different times. And um, then a volunteer, God bless him, is the one who edits it all. And then he emails it to me at some point Saturday, and then I set it up on YouTube to upload and um, we upload it so that it shows up at 8 a.m., just kind of a random. We don't have a church service at 8 a.m., but we're like, oh, fine, it'll, it'll be available. Sure you do now. It's piano side. That's right, piano side. <laughs> do what you want. <laughs> so so that what's nice about that is we, we've kind of settled into a pattern for now that we do the recording, like, in the early evening on Tuesdays. Mm -hmm. So it's it's interesting to be done with your sermon preparation by Tuesday night. <laughs> and then people see it send them like, what happened? Does anyone remember what the scripture was? I'm already working because in two days I have to preach my next one, right? Right. Um, I think at, at our church, it's a really interesting, I think it's a fascinating dynamic. In February, like take February before this happened, we'd have 450 worshipers in the building a third of that is a Nepalese refugee congregation that's Pentecostal. So they're pretty sure they're not Methodist. 
another third are African refugees that are Methodist, and it turns out that they're members of our congregation. And then the other third are what you might call legacy or what the vital signs mm -hmm. says are members of our church. So that's a really diverse group. And uh, that's mm, five worship services in four spaces. So I just the thought of trying to figure out how to clean surfaces and bathrooms horrifies me because there, there's just no way to do that. We barely do it pre-pandemic in a, the right, I mean, we, it's safe, but, and right. it's getting out of our parking lot, which is degree. too small. Yeah, sure. uh, what am I going to do? Blow a whistle when it's time for the next family to exit their car? I mean, so we're going to be taking it slowly. And the nice thing for me, I'm really fortunate. I have a lot of nurses in my congregation. <laughs> so that's, that's really helpful. So I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful that we've got piano side um, as a continuity as a continuity piece. And when we come back, I'm assuming I'll assign a worship space to the Nepalese group, to the African group, and then to the group that I've been leading worship. And um, mm -hmm. we'll be really careful about reuse of those spaces during the week. Right. Obviously we're in a whole new world and a new normal. Daily devotions using snow globes. <laughs> because that's a new thing. <laughs> it, it, it is. So you got to back up first and tell me, okay, first of all, how did you start this, this accumulation of snow globes? So I met my husband about 30 years ago, a little bit more than 30 years ago. Uh, we were in, at the University of North Carolina. He, had, he was in his, doing PhD work. I was a senior in college. And um, at that point, he had, I think, five snow domes. So there you go. <laughs> And so over the years, the intervening 30 years, this collection, and we should be clear, it is, it is Todd's collection, but I live with the collection. Like okay. I'm, and I'm part of this journey. And so now there are 3,500, give or take, wow. a little bit more than that. But please note, no music boxes. These are all souvenir plastic snow domes. Um, there's a couple glass ones in there just because they made their way in, but they're 3,500 different ones. And because he's a scientist, there's a database <laughs> listing all of them, and it's searchable by... You know what, though? With 3,500, you have to have a database, or you would have no idea what you had. Well, if it was mine, I'd be like, oh, look at that. But yeah, for sure, a scientist. And so in the earlier days, he would pit people against each other, like he'd print a pie chart of who had given him the most domes and he'd be like, Oh, <laughs> you're lagging behind so-and-so. And, <laughs> and you can sort it. It's like whenever we would go on a road trip, you'd be like, okay, we're going to this place. We already have these domes, but we need to be looking for this. And then sometimes we'd find the dome at a flea market and be like, Oh, we got to go there because we already have the snow dome for it. <laughs> so my so, wife, my wife collects magnets. And so, ah, yeah. so she, whenever we go somewhere, she usually gets some kind of souvenir magnet. Does she have a, a database? A magnet? No, we don't have a data. Not that I know of anyway. <laughs> I guess I should check that out. I don't think we do. But, but anyway, ma magnets are, are thin and they are small and you can fit a right. lot into a short space. Uh, snow globes require storage. It's a problem. Unless they are all over your house in, on display. So for a while, there were little teeny tiny shelves at his mother's house in the basement and they were on there, but it was just too much. And she was dusting them and it was like, oh no, we have a Southern mother. 
dusting snowballs. <laughs> this is too much. So they're mostly in Rubbermaid tubs, although um, once in a while he'll get out like all the snowman figurals for Christmas and there'll be like this giant display of snowmen or um, whatever. But yeah, there's a lot of them. We collect other things, but most of them are smaller. So with the, with the snow globes, what made you think of this? Hey, this is a great idea for a daily devotion. <laughs> I have to be careful how to say this, but I was thinking, gosh, you know, someone's going to think I should be doing a daily devotion. Everyone else is going to be using the Bible or a book. <laughs> what do I have? I'm like, oh, let's see, 3,500 snowdoms. That means I've got nine and a half years of material. <laughs> I just would like to say, I've already told the group of people I mentor who are candidates for ministry, probably don't commit to a daily anything. <laughs> that was actually going to be one of my questions was, are you feeling like maybe that was overstretching a little bit? Daily is hard. It, it is. And I've, I've not like, I suppose I could do, it doesn't seem fair to like quote tape more than one a day. Like I'm really trying to do only one a day, but I started taking Sundays off because I'm like, well, they get piano side worship on Sunday. And then this week I took Saturday off. And then one day I forgot on a Monday. I felt really bad. But now Todd, so Todd has this whole snow dome repair kit. It's got like a bottle just for filling up the domes that are dry. It's got special pliers for pulling the plugs out. So we have kind of this lineup of domes that are waiting to be used. <laughs> and so now he's like, What's the snowdom of the day? I'm like, oh, um, but it's it's still it it is fun. It takes a little bit more time than I thought because um, I try to do them in one take, so you have to actually think a little bit ahead of time. <laughs> right. Kind of explain the process for 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 folks. I mean, if they want to use some type of inanimate object as their as their uh, <laughs> daily devotion uh, motivation. Uh, what, what is it, what do you try to find in each of these? What, what's something that you're trying to get across? I mean, is it a, is it some type of biblical, biblical principle since you're not de dealing necessarily with scripture? Uh, is it an ethical type of thing? Yes to all of the above. Just tell people a little bit about what you're trying to accomplish. So I'm a, I'm a graduate of Vanderbilt Divinity School and their whole thing is, um, at least when I was there, I was ministers, theologians. So I, I do think I'm an integrated theologian in that I, I really like to look at the world and try to think, where is God in this, in this moment? You know, where am I seeing the Holy Spirit? And as a pastor, I, I really feel like it's important to help my people think through, wait a minute, I'm a person of faith. I can make decisions based on my faith. I don't have to have someone tell me what to do. I can do this. And so I think part of what's going on for me is you've got this thing that you could say is a stupid kid's toy, but you could also say, wait a minute what in this can evoke for me a thought that I, I already know? Like, is it a scripture I already know? Is it a theological notion I already know? Um, my parishioners who are watching, what they're telling me is, oof, and I try not to think about this because it's a lot of, it could be a lot of pressure. They say to me things like, Steph, it's the happy thing in my day mm -hmm. to, to see you trying to come up with something. And it, it makes me think, oh, wait, I can find something. I can see God where I am, too. And I, I think you could either say that's a low bar or you could say it's a high aspiration. 
Or you could say it's our calling as disciples. And I am that cornball pastor who's going to say, you know what? We are, we're called to be disciples no matter what. So let's figure this out and let's acknowledge it's really hard. And if they see me struggle because I'm dealing with yet another plastic, they call them Indians, which is wrong in a snowdome. I'm trying to figure out how to make that right. You know what? Maybe it'll give them a little bit of courage to figure out. Mm-hmm. I mean, the pandemic isn't right either, right? Right. So I, that's kind of what's going on. And again, it, you could say it's a low bar or you could say it's a calling. So, um, <laughs> and, and it is interesting to have as your, um, I don't know, your, the monitor, the, the thing that's holding me down is I've, I've said I'm going to only use snow domes. So I'm like, okay, what are we going to do, people? <laughs> well, like you said, you have nine and a half years of material. So I think you got plenty to choose from. <laughs> Yeah, we haven't, I, so far I've said no to the Naked Mermaid one. I'm like, that's just a little bit too much. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, but uh, does this mean you do this every day now for nine years, or is this going to go away with the pandemic shelter in place, or do you still try to my, You know, I kind of was like, you know what, if we get a year and a half from, this is going to go on a long time, by the way, I mean, the pandemic mm-hmm. thing, but I, I don't think I'm going to have to, like, take them with me on vacation if I ever get to go on vacation again. But I, I do think there could be a moment where we're like, good news, good news. This is going to take a break for a week. Because I could do that right now. We'd be all okay anyway. <laughs> People can make it without their snow of the day. Um, but I, yeah, you don't, it's okay to take a break. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I agree. But it'll, it will be fun. And I, I think at the point that we have a hundred of them, won't that be a hoot? I'm pretty sure no one else Probably no one's ever done a snow dome. I'm reasonably certain that nobody else, maybe across the entire denomination, can say they're doing anything with snow domes. So, (laughs) then our church has the paint by number museum, also. So, you know, we're just racking up all the oddities now. Well, there you go. You know, it's important to have fun. I think that's one thing people forget, especially during this time when we're sheltering in place. It is okay to have fun, Um, and you might as well have fun in your faith as well. And if a snow dome provides a story. How is that any different from any other illustration that so many of us have used at one time or another, either to illustrate a sermon or a children's time? And like you said, frankly, some of the older folks, they enjoy that stuff too. You know, why oh, not? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think when you look at scripture, there's a mix in there. I mean, there's lament, but there's also discovery. There's prophecy. There's things that we still don't really understand. And, um, I think life is like that as well. So, yeah. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for sharing your story with us uh, this week on In Layman's Terms. That's, this is uh, Reverend Stephanie Alshweet. She's the lead pastor at St. Paul United Methodist Church in Omaha. Thanks again, and have fun with those snow domes. Thanks, Todd. Layman's Terms is a podcast sponsored by the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church and by me, your host, Todd Seifer. If you liked what you heard in this episode, please go rate us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. It helps other people find us. And please, if you feel so inclined, share us on Facebook or other social media. Our music comes via a licensed subscription with FirstCom Music. You can find archived podcasts on my website, toddseifert.com, or via a link on the conference website, greatplainsumc.org slash podcasts. 
Feel free to email me any questions or suggestions to tcypher at greatplainsumc.org and I'll do my best to respond as quickly as possible. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, please do what you can to help make more disciples of Jesus Christ. You can play a small part in helping change a life.